Abed and all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Sunday. Hope you're all doing well. Well, first off, we have a voicemail from... Dave Aldridge. Actually, I have three voicemails from Dave Aldridge. I'm just going to string them together and we can listen to it because it's all about one topic. Go ahead, Dave. Hey, Glenn. Yeah, enjoyed listening to you talking about horror in RPGs. I think the sense that one struggles to get in an RPG is that sense of the uncanny. That sense that here is a creature or an entity or a force that is operating on rules that are quite different from the ones that you are familiar with. And when you think about, you know, any of your horror monsters in a D&D game, well, they're just, they're just mechanically statted monsters, aren't they? They might have fewer vulnerabilities or special vulnerabilities. But even if you're rolling, even if you're rolling fear checks, you're still in the realm of mechanics. Some people are better at um, succeeding fear checks and some people are worse, but you get a roll of the dice. Next bit from me. Sorry, this might go to three. I should have introduced myself. It's Dave Aldridge, of course. So the good thing about RPGs is because you've got such explicit mechanics, that gives you a ready-made way, a meta level, of introducing the idea of the uncanny into your game. Players are expecting to have to discover an opponent's vulnerabilities, to roll dice, they're difficult to hit, you might need a magic weapon. So the great way of introducing the uncanny is simply when you introduce a foe or an entity or a force, you just don't roll dice for them. (laughs) So you've got into that situation, you've rolled initiative, they've done a few attacks, they're having no effect, and then you simply inflict some damage. And they say, whoa, 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 you didn't roll any dice. You say, no, not for this guy. He doesn't need to roll dice. (laughs) And they are terrified. Um, And that, of course, you know, makes this, this isn't a battle anymore. This is an encounter with the uncanny. This is a mystery. This is a problem. They're going to have to, you know, delve deep into the metaphysics of the game world to sort this out. There you go. I didn't really need three. I think I got through most of it. But that is my my one bit of advice for introducing a horror element into your RPG. Don't roll dice. What could be more transgressive of the natural laws um, that govern RPGs than a foe that doesn't roll dice? Thank you much, Dave. Hey, you know, I like that concept of not rolling stuff and pretty much making, showing that you're not rolling stuff, rolling, rolling dice, rather. Uh, But, you know, I'm thinking about, like, maybe after the first encounter that won't fly with the players, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of things players expect, and uh, let's face it, part of the DM's job, the GM's job, is to, uh, Thwart those expectations just for the sake of the game saying you're not in Kansas anymore, pretty much. And I don't mind doing that, but it doesn't really fly on a regular basis. That kind of leads into the the topic of today's discussion. But what I want to say is not rolling for a character, for for a monster, for a big bad, I think can get away once, maybe twice. But after that, the players start losing, the trust issue starts coming into play. Whether they trust you to actually do a fair fight or at least, I'm not saying an even fight, a fair fight, there's a difference. 
because it could be way overbalanced, but it's still a fair fight. It's not like I'm trying to pull some kind of thing out my butt just to get out of it, just to create a loophole for my for my opponent for their opponent. But after a while, I feel that they're just going to say, "Yeah, well, he's not really going to do anything." So I think that if you're not going to have a monsters roll dice, which, by the way, I think is a great idea for for that that kind of emotion, that kind of reaction. I think what you should do is make sure they know they're hurting this thing if they're they're attacking it or not hurting it. You got to get some kind of reaction because if a monster just see you hit them with all you got and he just sits there in professional wrestling. That's called a no sell. And you can't no-sell the monster normally. I mean, you can, but there's got to be something there to say there was a reaction. So, go ahead and don't roll dice or something, just so they show it's formidable. And they they also got to find out how this thing's going to react, which only happens during the course of the encounter. So... I, I, with, with tacit approval, I'm going to te- attentively say, that's a good idea. I'm going to try it myself, but thank you, Dave. I really appreciate that. So, today I want to talk about real versus unreal. And it goes back to some things I've talked about before, things usually do around this joint. But I was thinking about this this morning. I went to go get some donuts for my grand, for my grandkids. And I was thinking about how some people say they're storytellers in role-playing. And I know at least one video where a guy named RPG Pundit puts a video out saying, no, we're not storytellers. Well, we're not. We're, we are referees is what we are. But we are, we are part storyteller. I'm sorry to say, I like DMing because I lo- I, I'm a frustrated storyteller. I'd love to sit there and make up a story and just tell people. But at the same time, I'm also addicted to the adventure. Not the adventure, but adventure, which these games create in people's minds. And that's the whole point of it. So I want the dice rolling in there. I want the chance. I want to see what happens. In a way, we're kind of like scientists doing experiments. What would happen? What if? That kind of thing. So you got to take that into consideration. And real versus unreal. Some people like an ultra-realistic game. And my opinion is there's no such thing. Are, are completely realistic. There's no such thing. There's always going to be some kind of... Because you got games where there's hit points, which is an abstraction of damage, which is perfectly okay with me. I don't need to know about every cut, bruise, and punch that people suffer over what part of their body. I could care less. It's all in my mind. And I take something like armor class and applied in my mind to not just how tough they are, but what they do to avoid what the, the, the critter, the character does to avoid damage. I can do that in my mind. So there's always going to be a certain amount of abstraction, but there are some people out there who just have to have it. So realistic to me, realism is boring. 
I can look around me and see realism. That's not a problem. But I, I like to... Realism versus logic. Realism is logical. Logic does not have to be real, depending on how you make the world, which is what I've said before. I like things that are plausible, not possible, but I'd rather have things that are plausible, because plausible tends to, you interject the unreal into it, the fantasy moment. And I've quoted, I've quoted, I think, Richard Matheson before about, he says, talk about a great Twilight Zone episode, is a actual, a real present-day drama with a drop of fantasy dropped into it, with a with just a little drop of fantasy in it. And that makes all the difference in the world. That's what makes good science fiction. That's what makes pretty good fantasy, actually, if you're not doing the high fantasy thing. And there's a lot, there's games out there that reflect that. World of Darkness to a certain extent. Or, you know, if you're going to do Far Future Cyberpunk. Or Shadowrun. Or things like that. But what I'm concerned about is I want something that could be. Not necessarily is. Which, which is funny because I've heard so many people who want a game master saying, oh, I can't create this this stuff out of whole cloth. I can't. You know, they're, they're, I mean, there are ways that they could, but what they're saying is, I can't be that creative. Yeah, you can. All you have to do is do a little research, do a little thinking, and come up with what you want. I, I, it's funny because then people say, oh, I can run Dungeons and Dragons. I don't have any, I don't have any. I don't have an imagination. Everybody's got an imagination, just like everybody has a sense of humor. It may not be very well developed, but you have a, a sense of creativity. You have creativity in you. You just got to bring it out if you want. So there is a way of doing it. And so... Which is funny because I'm kind of like, oh, they say I could never do D and don't know anything about fantasy. I couldn't do that. I got couldn't make up stuff. I couldn't make up whole lands and things like that. I found that easy. I found that real easy. Just you know, a few places, give them names and go. My, it's funny. I'm almost a 180. You play realistic games like Champions or uh, Top Secret or you know things based in reality, mostly. I have a hard time with those. I really do, because they're based on real-world stuff. And while I could go research these things and such, I'm always afraid of getting the players who, like, oh, I was from that area, or I lived in that area for a while. That's not like that. Or these guys wouldn't do that, or these guys wouldn't do this. But in fantasy, I can say, well, yeah, well, that's the way they do it here. So it's almost like a reverse of that. I, I don't deal with realism very well <laughs> in my real life, too. But that's beside the point. I don't deal with realism in my games very well. I would rather just make it up out of whole cloth. But keep some kind of internal consistency in it. I think, you know, I say logic and plausible. What I mean is consistency. That's what I mean, because I want you want something that is 
more or less consistent. Not only does it give the players a sense of being there, being in the place, but if something is wholly inconsistent, one thing, that will, it's not going to throw the game off, but the players will sit up and take notice. And that's a mystery. That's a why. That's something they can figure out and build adventures around. There you go. You've got a mountain range that ups a daisy. You've got a mountain range that floats in the sky. Why? That's Nothing else does. Let's go find out why. There you go. So keep your world consistently, whatever the logic you have in world, consistent, not necessarily realistic, but cons- but kind of consistent so the, so the exceptions stick out. So that's pretty much what I'm going to leave you with right now. I'm going to start my day. So if you want to talk to me about this or anything else, you can get a hold of me at oldmangrognar at gmail.com or you can drop me a voicemail on Anchor and we are monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program and I would thank you. And thank you again, Jonathan, Oliver, Oliver, Gilbert and Juan Carlos for supporting me. I appreciate it, guys. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Radio Grognard